Hello and welcome to the Nitty Gritty Reviews podcast. I am Rachel and today I'm here with my guest co-host Tristan. Hi everyone. And today we're going to be talking about the last movie of Marvel's Phase 2. I was going to be Ant-Man. I'm pretty excited about this one. This is going to be, uh, like I said, wrapping up Phase 2 of Marvel Mondays. And this is also the, I guess, season finale of Nitty Gritty Reviews Season 1. Uh, so this is a, a big episode for the podcast. And I am excited to talk about this movie and excited to uh, to, to wrap up the season and, and start moving on with some other stuff. That's probably not the best way to lead an episode. Yeah. Excited <laughs> to be done with this shit. <laughs> No, oh, no. I get what you're saying. It's the end of phase two. It's the end of season one. Yeah, it's, it's a, a... It's a cosmic alignment. There we go. That's a, a better way of phrasing what I was trying to say. <laughs> um, so before we get into anything else, let me pull up the IMDb page because I always forget. This is something I will do better in season two. I always forget to actually introduce the movie. So we've got 2005's Ant-Man this is directed by Peyton Reed and is written by Edgar Wright. Uh, I didn't actually realize he was actually credited. I know he was originally slated to be the director and dropped out for creative differences, but still credited as one of the screenwriters. Uh, so we've got written by Edgar Wright, Joe Cornish, uh, Adam McKay, and Paul Rudd came in with a writing credit as well. So lots of writing credits thrown wow. in there. That's quite a few for... A movie that is not terrible. <laughs> yeah, usually that's not a great sign when there's that many writers. Um, I think a big part of it, my my general understanding is that Edgar Wright did the initial scripts. And then when he dropped out of creative differences, it kind of uh, got some more writers. I don't know how Paul Rudd got in there, if he did enough on set or if he... I, I have no idea. I didn't really look into it too much um in any case this movie is starring of course we've got paul rudd as scott lang slash ant-man and michael douglas uh evangeline Lilly, and a bunch of other people but those are the main ones um and judy greer who is regretfully underutilized but we'll get into that later yeah, yeah so that's the introduction that i usually forget uh, so before we delve into the nitty-gritty of this review which means going through the grid going through each category talking about what works what doesn't uh, before we get to that, uh, do you remember the first time you saw this movie or your general impressions or, you know, what were your impressions going into the movie this time? Uh, just throwing some general questions out at you. Yep. I think I've seen this movie two times. I saw it once in theaters with you. Yeah. And I saw it just now. I was going to say, I think this was the second time for me and I can't imagine you saw it without me. So what did you, um, like going into it, watching it this time, were you excited were you nervous or maybe nervous isn't the right word but did you did you, were you thinking it was going to be a lower scoring movie or like what was your your general impressions going into it with this fresh rewatch having only watched it once yeah. before first time before i saw it going into it i thought this is just sounds ridiculous this sounds absurd this is preposterous on the other hand we had the guardians of the galaxy I was gonna say. which is ridiculous like Way more than this. Way more, obviously, way more. And we've had, like, what, eight, uh, sorry, uh, like, ten movies, twelve movies, Marvel movies. Something like that. They're all pretty good. Like, even the ones that I'm not that big on, they're pretty good. So, I think at this point, it was clear to me that it's not going to be a bad movie. Fair enough. Um, but I didn't expect that much going in, and I was uh, overall pleasantly surprised. 
Even the second time. Uh, yeah, the, the things it aims to do, I think it does a pretty good job. That's fair. I definitely went into this movie... I mean, it, I similar with Guardians of the Galaxy, I was like, really? This is the next hero they're going to introduce? Yeah. Like, this guy that can turn ant-sized and I guess communicates with ants? Yeah. I mean, exactly. I wasn't I wasn't super... Like, I know a lot of people were, like, really doubtful and, like, really skeptical. And I wasn't on that end of it. But I definitely thought it was a weird choice. But but like you said, I was like, well, after Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, whatever. This is, this is fine. And I've always been, like, uh, flipping over to the DC side of things. Like, I've always been a staunch defender of Aquaman. And I'm like, he's badass. People just make fun of him as, like, this superhero that can talk to fish. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? He's like, he's incredibly badass. So I was like, okay, I feel like this is kind of similar. Like, you can easily make fun of him as, like, oh, he's the Ant-Man. He can shrink to the size of an ant and talk to ants. Isn't that powerful? I'm like, (laughs) well, ants are really strong. And, like, you can do a lot of people can't see you. So, I don't know. I was kind of looking at it through that lens, I guess, of, like, well... I bet it could be pretty badass. I will say right off the bat, because I feel like this is going to come up in several of the categories, and I'm going to try not to compare the two too much because we're just not there yet. But I do much prefer Ant-Man and the Wasp to this one. I think it does... Okay, the sequel to this movie? The sequel to this movie. I think it does a lot of things better, but I'm going to try not to go there because, like I said, we're just not there yet. This is the first one. That's the sequel. um, And we'll get there when we get there. But since this is a rewatch and I have seen all of the Marvel movies up till now, at least once, um, that did kind of color my opinion a little bit as far as how I rated things. Because like, wow, that was really cool. But they did it so much better in this instance. And it did kind of, I tried not to be too biased, but it did, it did color my scores, I think, a bit. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. Um, with that said, was there anything else you wanted to note, just kind of generally speaking, before we delve into the grid? No, not really. All right. So then on that note, the first category of the grid is probably one of the ones I have uh, some of the harshest critiques on, and that's going to be uh, writing, plot, and genre. Um, and the first thing I will say, just because uh, I don't want to come off as too much of a negative Nancy, so I am going to say this right off the bat that I do really like about this movie, that it does, and I I feel like we've even used this movie as an example in other Marvel Monday reviews, that it takes this genre of the heist movie and makes it a superhero movie. I think that's really cool, and I think it does it fairly well. That said, I'm not the biggest fan of heist movies, so it didn't get that big of a boost for me. I gave plot and genre um, a 6.5 out of 10. I thought, I thought it was really interesting what it did, but it's just not my favorite genre, so I'm not going to, like, say that it was outstanding when it was like, well, it did some interesting things, so it exceeded my expectations, but especially after, again, I, I don't mean to compare it to Guardians of the Galaxy constantly either, because that's not really a fair comparison, but as far as genre goes, I think Guardians of the Galaxy did did much more interesting things as far as taking an established genre of like space western or space adventure however you want to classify or even just sci-fi um and then adding you know making it a comedy and then also making it a marvel superhero movie like it just did a a much more interesting job i think of combining all these elements and i feel like even with a genre i don't love it could have done a little bit better job of of 
taking these elements, adding in the comedy, and then full on making it a Marvel superhero movie. And I think my biggest complaint maybe, maybe not complaint, that's a little harsh, but I do feel like this movie, especially at this point in the game, is by far the most family-friendly Marvel movie we've seen. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, I would say, is probably fairly family-friendly too, but like the violence is very watered down in this movie. There's There's a little bit of swearing, and that's about it. And I don't need my movies to be super graphic. I don't need them to be dropping F-bombs or anything here and there. Like, I, it's it's fine. But it just felt like if they had pushed, violence isn't the right word, but the action pushed it a little bit farther to make it a little bit more of a superhero. I don't know. I just feel like there was maybe something missing seems too harsh. Because I don't think it was that there was something missing. I think there was just something there that I didn't like as much. In that it was it was more of a family friendly vibe. So those those are my notes on plot and genre. That was a lot to spew all at once. So my lowest score for this category was the genre cliches, tropes, and twists. I gave it a okay. five out of really wow. Okay, uh, it probably could have even been a little lower, but it just everything is so cliche. All the characters, like ninety percent of this movie, it's just just so cliche. You got. The scoundrel with the heart of gold. You got the cranky old wizard, who in this case is the scientist, Mr. Pibb. Uh, you got the evil profiteering CEO. You got single fathers and their daughter issues that they're dealing with. You got the child who wants to prove herself to daddy. You got this, you got that. It's just, everything is so cliche. Which, all all stories are to some degree cliche. But this one, there was, there was just one cliche after another yeah and they didn't i didn't see anything really interesting or different with a lot of it that's fair and and it would be fine if there was like some crazy wild idea that they were dealing with or some crazy internet yeah but there wasn't that much of it it was just sort of like a fun story like a little romp a yeah little adventure see and i think that's where like the family yeah. friendly aspect comes in is like well, we're not going to get too deep because we want this to be fun for everybody is the vibe yeah. I got. And that's, that's like, like, like room, t- like, like a glass of room temperature water. It's easy to drink, but it's not, it's not satisfying. Yeah, I gave it a five out of 10. Maybe I could have gone lower because everything was just so tropey and so straightforward. But I, I, like I said, it'd be fine if they were making room for other interesting things, which they didn't. But I think, like you said, they were aiming for the family friendly. This is meant to be easily digestible for yeah. everyone. Well, and one of the things that I felt about this movie, too, is like, especially watching it after having watched Ant-Man and the Wasp, was like, so much of this movie is setting up the character of Hope Pym to be the Wasp. And I'm like, why couldn't she have just been the Wasp in this movie? So much of this movie. And I think this this does definitely fall under... Yeah, cliches now that I'm thinking about it but I kind of docked it more under plot structure which was my lowest with the 4.5 because uh, there was just I mean there were so many moments where Hope was like I am clearly the most qualified person for this like put me in coach and I'm like yeah like, like I'm, and I totally get that it's like okay he lost his wife yeah. he doesn't want the same to happen to his daughter I get the whole speech that that Scott gives of like I'm expendable you're not like I get it 
but there's more at stake here. And like, she's in her mid thirties. She can make decisions on her own. And she's clearly like, it's not just that she's got the like, the wherewithal to like, she's got the physical skills. She can communicate with the ants. Like she's, she's got this. Put her in coach. Like, come on. Yeah. So much of the movie was her just saying like, I can do this. And I never got a convincing reason for why she couldn't. Yeah, other than, like, Hank didn't want to lose his wife and his daughter. Which, is, which I totally get. Yeah, I get. Totally get She it. should have just stolen the costume, though. I, or I costume. Think... <laughs> uniform, whatever, the suit. Uh, but no, yeah, but, like, I think, just steal I think it. maybe they could have, like, toned it down a bit. Like, we get yeah. it. I, I agree. A lot of this movie was saying, like, wouldn't it be badass if we got to see her? Wouldn't she pay $10 to watch a movie with her? Right. Like, I get that, but I think they kind of, like, overdid it, and maybe they could have yeah. toned that down quite a bit. Quite a bit. Like, I really feel like, I mean, I know, obviously, this is a Marvel movie. Obviously, we need Scott in there. Like, he is Ant-Man, if you're not going to have Hank Pym as Ant-Man. Like, I get it. I get that he needs to be there. I'm not trying to say that canonically I think he should not okay. be there. But as far as, like, if we're just looking at this as, like, how could this movie, not as an MCU edition, but just as a movie, how could this be a better story? Take Scott out. Just make it about a father and a daughter, and she wants to not even prove herself to him, but just she wants to get the job done, and he's not letting her. So she's going to steal the suit. She's going to go do the heist. She's going to prove herself. And, and just make it about a father-daughter. Like, I feel like that would have been... And I feel like Ant-Man and the Wasp okay. did... Kind of took that route. I mean, obviously, Scott is still there. But I feel like it kind of took that... Went in that direction a little bit more. And that's probably why I like the movie more. There was a lot more... A lot more going on in that movie. Again, not gonna, not gonna deep dive into that movie. And I've only seen it once. Maybe on a second watch, I won't like it as much. That happens sometimes. But I just feel like... As far as the plot structure, as far as the themes, as far as the character development, I kind of feel like this would be a better movie if Scott wasn't there. I like the character. I like him a lot. That's interesting. Or or go the other way and have it just be Hank and Scott and ignore, like, just not, don't even have Hope be there. Like, pick one. I guess that's my thing. Just pick okay. one. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like this weird triangle, like an awkward triangle. Yeah, it's obviously not a love triangle. It's not... It's just except for that awkward. five seconds where they were making out. Talk, I take it yeah. back. That's not. I take it back. That's not a triangle. No, but Rewind, that is. Fix it in post. That yeah. is a bad cliche, though. I should probably dock my score a little bit because I wasn't thinking about that. I I just forget about that scene instantly the second it's over, and I hate that there are a couple it's not in even the sequel. A scene. It's like five seconds. It's and it's out of yeah. nowhere, and it makes no like they had zero right. chemistry. <laughs> I'm. I'm docking genre cliches, tropes, and twits, because that... I'm going to dock it down to a 3 out of 10. Jeez, I'm just going down to a 6. Well, I was already at 5. No. So, yeah, finish your thing. I mean, that was really just it. I just... I mean, we've we've done the rants of the whole obligatory love interest. That's, like, my only complaint with the first Thor movie. Yeah. That movie's practically perfect, and then the forced love story in the third act is like, come on, man. And then this just takes it in like a whole other direction where there's no chemistry, no flirtation, barely any interaction. And then all of a sudden they're like almost making out in the last scene. It's like, oh, yay, they're together. And I'm like, I didn't want this. Did anybody want this? 
The I mean, studio executives did. Someone somewhere did. But I, yeah, I completely agree. That was 100% unnecessary, 100% out of nowhere. It yeah. really felt like, like was, if you were to write a script, like you write the first word and then you write the second word and then you write the third and then you're like on, on word 991 out of your uh, thousand word script and you're like, oh shit, I forgot the love interest. Yeah. I got eight words. Open the door. They're making out. There you go. That was exactly what it felt like. I would bet that was part of the creative committee or or some... That was not a professional writer who said... It had to have been the studio. Yeah, let, let's and to open be, the door and then they're making out in the last 60 yeah. seconds of the movie. To be fair, I do like their chemistry in the sequel. So I could see like... Like, if they're looking with that lens of, like, okay, in the sequel, we want them to have this type of chemistry. We need to build it up. Like, I can see where it came from yeah. purely retrospectively. But honestly, I feel like they could have just, just not even had that and just be like, oh, it's been two years since we've seen this character. Here's where they're at now. And I'd be like, okay, I guess that makes sense. And I would have been cool with that. Like, yeah. I just... Yeah. And Ant-Man and the Wasp would have been fine without any kind of chemistry. Like, it... it Take a note out of X-Files. It is okay to have platonic male and female leads, guys. Yeah. Like, that's, it's not going to break people's brains. It's going to be fine. Yeah, that that just goes back to, well, I, I guess it doesn't go back to it because we're still talking about this. Witches <laughs> and tropes. Like, yeah. so fucking tropey. Uh, which sums this movie up quite a bit. Not all yeah. of it. There's a bit more than that going on. But this is... I think by far the tropiest of the MCU movies so far. Certainly so far, yeah. And possibly in total. I was just about to say that. Yeah. I would love to see Edgar Wright's original script because surely what happens, surely the reason why he's one quarter of the credits, it's got to be because he wrote an original script and then it got rewritten two or three times. I would love to see his original script. What else has Edgar Wright done? That name sounds familiar, but I can't. Oh, quite yeah. Understand. He's. Um, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, Spaced, that show I love. Yeah. He was the showrunner on that. Those wow. are the main ones. He's done a bunch of other stuff, but those are the main ones I recognize and the main ones that he's known for. But especially after watching Baby Driver, I was like, man, I'd love to see Edgar Wright directing it, man. That would be amazing. I'll have to uh, check out some of his stuff. Baby Driver is surprisingly... I say surprisingly not because... I mean, it's that's the main reason I saw it. I was like, well, it's Edgar Wright, so I'll see it. But it's not my genre at all. I don't give a fuck about cars. Absolutely agree. I don't like action movies in general. Yep. Like, yep. I just, I saw the trailers and I was like, no, not for me. And then I saw it and I was like, that was really fun. That was a fun movie. It's just, it's fun. The editing alone is amazing. Anyway, that's a different rant. Um... But yeah, an Ant-Man with Edgar Wright be fun. And if the Marvel Creative Committee hadn't been around, I think I he probably would have stuck around. I could see that because Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, like those are fun movies, really fun movies that are mm -hmm. aren't super tropey. I mean, we're getting into a little bit of the genre theory and that they're maybe spoofing. Yeah, they get they get pretty bit. meta and pretty spoofy, but but I mean, it's Ant-Man. It's a it's a guy the size of an ant punching an evil. <laughs> Uh, were there any high-scoring categories in the uh, writing plot and genre for you? Uh, my highest was for character outer goals. Um, 
Yeah. Which was, I originally gave it an eight and then I kind of knocked it down to a seven just because I didn't feel like it did anything super extraordinary. But I thought it was pretty solid as far as like, okay, we've got Scott Lang. He wants to see his daughter more often. Pretty cut and dry. Yep. We've got the villain. He wants to create an army and make a bunch of money out of these suits. Pretty cut and dry. You've got Hope. I don't actually know what Hope wanted. What did she want to do? I mean, she wanted to stop the villain. But why? She was like working for him and then was like, oh, no, he's going too far doing exactly what he told me he was trying to do. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what her deal was. I think she was just angry about her haircut, which we'll get to. We will get to. <laughs> Speaking about tropes. Oh, my God. We'll speak about it later. We'll get to it, because now you've made me grumpy. <sighs> yeah. I didn't. The hairdresser of this movie did. Yeah, that's fair. Um, But, yeah, so Outer Goals and Hank Pym, he wanted to, to stop the villain and also had kind of a back burner Outer Goal of, like, wanting to find the wife, although he kind of gave up on that, like, 20 years ago, it seems. But that was kind of in there, too. So, I don't know. I thought the outer goals were decent. They weren't the most... Kind of like what you were saying about the tropes. Like, they're pretty archetypical, Mm -hmm. basic outer goals. But they're well-established. And it makes, like, everything the characters do, for the most part, make sense when you know that outer goal. So, even though it's very archetypical and very uh, very standard, it's like, well, I get it. I absolutely agree. I gave it a 9 out of 10. Wow, okay. Uh, Everyone's outer goal is... Pretty straightforward and pretty archetypical, but this is a pretty straightforward, archetypical, tropey movie. Yeah. They did a good job of having pretty straightforward, <laughs> archetypical, tropey outer goals. So I gave it a 9 out of 10. All right. Uh, I also gave a 9 out of 10 for pace. Interesting. Okay. I didn't zone out at all. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's my criteria. <laughs> This is only my second time watching this movie, but um, I, I thought it did a good job. The scenes that were exposition were like clearly 100%. This is exposition. exposition. This is yeah. the guy talking about the guy who talked about the girl who talked about the guy who did this and that. It was, it was very funny and it was very fast. And uh, I don't like a lot of fast editing in fight scenes, but... If it's exposition about my, my friend of a friend of a friend of a girlfriend of a boyfriend of a friend of a coworker told me about this and this that like that's that's fun go go fast with it the fight scenes I I did not lose interest with it because it was such a different and weird and interesting way of doing fight scenes I just think that a lot of the things were outstanding yeah that's it <laughs> all right. I only gave Pace a 6 out of 10. I thought it was fine. A little bit higher than than that mid-range of a 5, but not getting into that exceeds expectations range. I found I did love the action scenes. Usually, if a Marvel movie is going to lose points in Pace, it's going to be because of the action scenes. And this one, that was not the case. It was more the emotional scenes. They just seemed a little... They seemed not just a little. They were very heavy-handed. Tropey. And tropey. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess I gave genre cliches, tropes, and twists a little bit of a higher score because I like the the heist genre elements, but I took points uh, took points down elsewhere because of, um, essentially because of tropes and, and cliches. Uh, I just interpreted it a little differently than you, I think. 
But yeah, the just the emotional scenes. It just seemed like people standing around talking and then like, you know, like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna film his part of the scene and then we're gonna cut to your part yeah. of the scene. But before we start filming, let's put some some eye drops in your eyes. Like it just it was so many people with just like slightly watery eyes talking. So many scenes of just that. And I'm just like huh, I didn't catch that. It just seemed like it was particularly Evangeline Lily. Um, there were several scenes where it's just like, man, you're really going heavy on the eye drops. And maybe maybe it wasn't even eye drops. Maybe she just can make herself cry. But it, there, there were never tears. Just so, And even the villain at a few points, he, his eyes would get kind of watery. And you would think he was going to have like an emotional moment. And then he's like, like, no, ha ha, turn the tables. I'm going to shoot you. But then he never did. It's just a lot of watery eyes and, yeah, and emotional speeches. Too, but I don't know. The villain, his thing was like, he's a crazy prophet CEO. I did like. I don't know. To, to its I credit. I did appreciate that they kind of explained like, well, he was never super stable. But then he's been like exposed to all these things without his helmet on or whatever. So now he's like extra crazy. I was kind of like, okay, that's kind of enough for me. I get it. I mean, I guess I mean it's not. It. It's kind of lazy writing, but at least yeah. at, at least there's an explanation there. It's not like the first Iron Man where you have what's his name, who's just Jebediah. like Jebediah. Yeah, was that it? I think it was Je- Jebediah Stain, or was Stain a different guy? <laughs> this is the problem with <laughs> with Marvel villains is they get interchangeable. Yeah, forgettable villain number one. But I think it was Jebediah, something biblical sounding. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and he was just like, I love power. I'm a villain now. Look at my suit. And it's like, okay. So at least they kind of gave an explanation with this one. But he still, I don't even remember his name. He was, he was, he was forgettable. All right. Well, was there anything else that you would like to add for writing plot and genre? Um, n- no, I gave a three to genre cliches, tropes, and twists because it was just so, it reminded me of like when you go over to some like, friend of a friend's grandma's house and there's like the paint by numbers <laughs> painting on the wall and it's like sure. oh that's a cool paint by numbers painting <laughs> you did uh but i did give nine out of ten for outer goals because that was very clear that was like slap you in the face clear with it and the pace was also i give it a nine of ten because it was pretty good it was, it was outstanding i would say all right um, uh, what did your total come out to? I'm curious to see if... Oh, I, I, I did have one note. Oh, yeah. Uh, world building and exposition, I gave it a 7 out of 10 because there were several references to the Avengers. Like, why are you yeah. talking to me? Just call the Avengers. Yeah, I did uh, like that. And then they had the uh, the dude, the Avengers headquarters, and there's a... Falcon. Uh, Falcon, yeah. And there was a lot of talk about uh, Tony Stark back in the day, and then Stark... Yeah. Abandoned warehouse, which well, isn't was, abandoned. And... It wasn't Tony Stark back in the day. It was his dad. Yeah, Papa Stark. Yeah, I forget his name. <laughs> Mr. Stark. Um, Howard. Howard. Howard, Stark. that's right. So, yeah, I really like that. I bumped it up a little bit for that. But, um, yeah, this was really wild swings for me. I had a three and two nines. Yeah. So my overall score for plot and genre was 7.0. Wow, all right. That was uh, a little bit higher than mine. Mine came out to a 6.1. Still exceeds expectations, but pretty yeah. much any lower than that, and it would have uh, fallen into the meets expectations range. So just just slightly higher than meh for me. It was, 
it was fine. It did some things here and there that I like and some things here and there that I wasn't super fond of and, and kind of came out to a slightly higher than a wash, I guess, with a, with a 6.1. Okay. Uh, so that's going to bring us to our next category then, which is going to be writing characters. Oof. Really? You want to talk about low scores? Yeah. What was your lowest? Uh, character arcs. That was my lowest as well, actually. I don't think there were any. I mean, Dr. Pym had a little bit, but everyone started out as they were introduced and they finished yeah. as, 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 as the credits rolled. Yeah, really the only, the only arc that we have, as far as I can tell, is Hank Pym by the very end of the movie. Not even the end of the movie, but the, the mid-credit sequence being like... <laughs> Okay, fine. You can have a suit. Yeah. After the movie ends, yeah. he has a little bit of a character arc. Yeah, uh, and like I said, I think he's the only character who actually has an arc. Within I mean, the, maybe with, the, within the movie, the start to the end of the movie. I, I would argue, this is getting really nitpicky, maybe, or really specific, uh, in a way that probably doesn't even really count for this category. But I would say the stepdad had a character arc, where in the beginning he was like, Why are you even here at the birthday party? What are you thinking coming to your daughter's birthday party? And then at the end being like completely flipping to like, I'm going to lie to my bosses for you because that's what I do. That's it's like, yeah, okay, that's, that's a pretty true. big flip. That is true. That is a character arc. There's one character who has a character arc within the bounds of the beginning to the end of the movie. Yeah. Okay. Character arc. I still gave. No, I'm going to leave it at a three. Although now I wonder what a. What would be less than below expectations? That's that's what I was going to get to. I gave I still gave it a 4.5, even though I recognize that there aren't a ton of arcs. Because with most, most Marvel movies, unfortunately, there aren't. So there is kind of um, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, tr I still try to look at Marvel movies within the context of like, well, what do I expect out of a movie, not just a Marvel movie? Um, but with some of the categories, especially the character categories, I do kind of have a caveat of like, well, what do the other Marvel movies do? And I mean, there there are exceptions. There are ones like Thor. Uh, if you if you disagree, man, if you want uh, a good movie, yeah, go listen to our review of Thor because we both love it largely because um, the character writing character category scores so strongly. Um, and some of the Avengers movies, um, you know, score a little bit higher in this category, but for the most part, yeah, characters are a little bit of a secondary category. So for that reason, I still gave it on the lower end of meets expectations, but still was kind of like, well, what did I really expect the characters to, to learn or, or how did That's I true. really expect them to grow? So I still went with a 4.5 cause there still was a little bit like Hank Pym did, finally concede and say like okay you know what the suit i was building for your mother i think we were really building it for you let's let's give this a go and i'm like okay even though that's the mid-credit sequence and we don't really see why he came up with that decision he just kind of like is like oh yeah we need a teaser for the sequel here we go <laughs> like it's more so what it was than a character arc but still um and then the stepdad had a little something even though it was little and he's a very tertiary character so that's really interesting because i was just thinking i was not thinking this while you were saying the excellent things that you just said <laughs> i was totally not thinking this at the same time 
But uh, an interesting uh, counterexample for character arcs being important is Adam Sandler movies. A lot of Adam Sandler movies, at least the ones that I've seen, Adam Sandler starts the movie as like a slightly different version of Adam Sandler, and he ends the movie exactly the same. But everyone else changes. Yeah. So I can see that if, if you look at this movie that way, the main characters, I don't think they change that much. But you're right. Hank Pym changes a little bit yeah slightly kind of and um stepdad yeah he has he has a name i don't even know if they're married i don't know if he's the husband or a boyfriend he's a fiance i think they said that Ah. um so that's that's interesting that they're not really villains of the story but they are antagonists in a sense that the uh the daughter and the thief or, or, or the daughter and the scoundrel with the heart of gold are trying to earn his respect, his trust. Uh, and then he's also trying to earn the, or at least be in the good graces with the new man of the household, the new father figure, the new dad. So they're not really villains. They're not bad guys. And I totally get what they're doing. I totally see why they are who they are. But that is interesting that the only two people that have any character arc at all, as far as we can tell, are like these secondary characters that the heroes are trying to appease. No, I mean, that makes sense. Like they're they're not the antagonist of the story because that would be the guy whose name I can't remember, but they are antagonistic. I mean, you have the stepdad who's trying to be the new father figure in his daughter's life. He's like, no, I'm her father. Like I, I still, you can have a part in her life, but like I'm her dad. So there's like an antagonistic right. relationship there. And then with Hank Pym, here's this guy like trying to drag him back into this criminal lifestyle when he's like, like, no, that's I'm trying to be clean. I'm trying to, yeah. to live this other life when you're you're dragging me this way. And it ends up making him a superhero, I guess. I mean, is Ant-Man even a superhero or is he an anti-hero? He seems to he's not like emo enough to be an anti-hero, <laughs> but I mean, ever like his actions. I think he is. I think he would be classified as an anti-hero. He's well, breaking the law. Well, I guess that goes back to how we got into this situation from the beginning, right? It was an employer who was tricking people. Sure, yeah. I mean, he, he Robin Hood his way to jail. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the better way of saying <laughs> what I was stumbling myself towards. Yes, that is what happened. Which is also confusing throughout this movie. I guess this kind of goes back to plot structure a little bit more than characters. But, like, his whole origin story is, like, oh, he was working for this company. The company was overcharging customers. So he Robin Hood money back to the customers, posted bank accounts, information online for everybody to see what they were doing, and then got caught and got arrested. Sounds like it was pretty much all behind the desk hacking electronic kind of crime sure still very criminal still should go to jail despite the robin hood nature of the act like i get it but then when he gets out of jail he's like hopping fences and like he's like james bonding his way through everything and everyone's like oh this is what he does he's a thief no he's a nerd yeah and i just i agree and even like like hank pym is like oh like you always go back to your criminal ways. And I'm like, what do you mean always? He did one criminal thing, as far as we know. 
Got caught and got arrested. Came out of jail. Now he did one other criminal thing, and you're acting like this is a ongoing pattern that he's done 20 million times. Right. And everybody was acting that way. Like the the stepfather was like, like, oh, you're a bad man. You haven't been paying child support. I'm like, he's been in jail. Do you know how much inmates get paid while they're in jail? Like <laughs> 10 cents an hour. Like yeah. literally, like you really think he's going to be able to pay child support while in jail? Right. Give him a break. Yeah, yeah. Like the 13th Amendment even says you can't be a slave unless you're in jail. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I, the whole, the, the, and then the, and the ex-wife, like, like, yeah, you know, I know you want to see her and, like, get custody, but, like, you got to start paying child support first so you can be the man she needs you to be. And I'm like, he is. She needs, mm-hmm. she needs to know her father yeah. cares about her. She, like, he wants to be at her birthday party. What do you think he's going to do? Rob the party decorations? <laughs> like, like, what do they think he's going to do? But they're like, oh, you can't come to her birthday party until you start paying child support. I'm like, I mean, yeah, like deadbeat dad, not a good color. I get it. But like circumstances, you know, his personality, you know who he was before he went to jail. Do you really think he's going to get a job, start making a bunch of money and still not pay child support? Or do you think he's going to get a job, start making a bunch of money, pay all that back pay and make things right? We know what kind of man he is from the get go. They should, too. Like, it just... It just seemed like we as an audience knew who he was because they did a decent job of like showing us, OK, this is the kind of man he is. And then every other character in the movie is like, he's a bad man, or at least he makes bad decisions. He just gets confused about what's right or wrong. I don't know. That was a long rant. I didn't mean to get so worked up. I just the way yeah, other just... characters talked about him. I was just like, come on, guys. Yeah, like this... he's he's Robin Hood. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. So an illegal thing, he should have. You know, there are consequences. I get it. But, like, there's Robin Hood and then there's Catwoman. Which one is he? Right. I I think you're saying there's the legality of what he did and there's the morality of what he did. Exactly. Yeah, he didn't, like, steal... People confuse the two. Yeah, he didn't steal the crown jewels to go run away to Paris and never see his kid again and not pay child support. He stole money to to give it back to people and make things right. Right, like stealing bread to feel... to, to feed your children. That's not quite what he did, but no, yeah. it's not even close to what he did. <laughs> I, I just hadn't said anything in a while, so I thought I would say something. But it's the same concept, like... Yeah, it's the like difference there... between being a moral person who breaks the law and being an immoral person who follows the law. And, and he chose to follow his morals, which meant breaking the law. And maybe yeah. that's good, maybe that's bad. I don't know. Like, they could have made him... Just make him a small-time petty criminal that just can't turn down. It's like, oh, man, this just sounds too good to be true. One last job, one last job. Just turn him into that trope. And then everything everybody was saying about him would be right. Like, right. But instead, they just made him like, oh, I just want to do the right thing. And I thought I was doing the right thing, but it was also illegal. So now I'm in jail. But now I'm out. I'm going to start over. And instead of everyone supporting him and being like, all right, you're out now. What can we do to help? What can we do to make it so you can see your daughter all the time? How can we make up for lost time? How can we get you a job? Like, nobody was trying to help him. Everybody was just shaming him for not having a job and being a deadbeat dad when he's been out of jail for like a month. And had a job and then got fired for having a criminal record. Like, there was just, that's neither here nor there. It just upset me. (laughs) I was like, come on, guys. Anyway, on that note, was there anything... Um, anything else you wanted to add for writing characters? We got pretty off topic there. 
Um, no, character arcs was a three out of ten. Had a couple sevens for likability and dialogue. Yeah, it's um, about what I had to give or take. Most of the dialogue that I liked was from uh, Mr. Pym. Yeah, he was good. Scott Pym. I uh, liked there... the I liked the friend. I forget his name. Yes, played by uh, Michael Pena. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really <laughs> like you. Sh- you're right. I should bump it up. I love when they're driving up to the house or whatever, and he's like, "All right, like we got his back. We're always gonna be there for him," or whatever he says. And then he sees all the police. Over, he's like, "Back it up, just just back it up." Yeah, yeah. Back it up. <laughs> oh, I forgot. That's... I already bumped it up for that. Ah. Yeah. But yes, we'll get back to that dude. We'll get back yeah. to him. Um, yeah, almost all the likability and dialogue came from Mr. Pym. Yeah, that's fair. And he's not even that likable of a character. He's the gruff, grumpy old man. But they they wrote it well. Yeah. I couldn't stand... I gave character likability... I gave it a seven. I would have easily given it probably close to a nine if it wasn't for... Hope Pym. She was the most unlikable person. And I like oh, her. Yeah. I like her just fine in the second one. I thought she was great. Like, it's not yep. the actor and it's not the character per se. It's just the way she was written was just like, we'll get into this more. We already kind of mentioned the hair that plays into it, but just the. Nope. I instantly formed my decision when I saw that hair. And I think that was intentional. Her whole character is just like, I'm a modern business lady. Look how sleek exactly. and interesting I am. Yep, yep, yep. I don't care about guys or being likable. I'm tough. That's her character in a nutshell. And it's awful. And it's the same. I don't know what was in the water in 2015, but it's the exact same archetype that's uh, Claire from Jurassic World. Yep. Same exact character. Exactly the same. Different color hair. Claire had slightly weirder outfits. Other than that, same character. I don't know what I don't know what was in the water when these scripts were being written. But yeah, just that like, yeah, I'm a modern woman. Look at my funny hairdo and my sleek suits and the angles in my hair is as sharp as my wit. Like I don't don't know, it's bad. In case you haven't figured out how I feel about hair, we'll get to it later. But her whole character was just so like she just went out of her way to be unlikable. And if she was a little bit, this is going to sound awful, and I don't I don't mean for it to, but if she was younger, it could have played. If she was, like, 18. If she was, like, a teenager, like, come on, Dad, stop like, being so protective. I, I can you, do Dad. this. Yeah. She slams her door. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I would have bought that. it. And even with the weird hair, I had awful hair when I was 16. I thought I could cut my own hair and dye it myself. I was like, yeah. oh, I'm cool and practical. No, it was awful. I even had the bad bangs. Like, I, she was me at 16 now that I'm thinking about it. I had that hairdo. It just wasn't quite as sleek. But I had the dyed black hair with the straight across bangs and the bob. Like, and it was not a good look. Yeah, if she was like 16 to 18 at the absolute oldest, she would have been a perfectly fine character. Because it'd be like, yeah, this seems about right. But she was like 35. No, not buying it. She's way too... I was literally just about to say that exact same thing. She is too old for that. Way too old for that. And not just the... I mean, if she just had the hairstyle and her attitude was better, it would have been fine. I don't just hate her because of her hair, but her whole personality was written like she was 16. So anyway, that's my rants. Um, So character likability still got a seven. I do... I love Hank Pym. I love Scott Lang. 
They're great characters. They play against each other really well. Even the daughter, I'm not a big fan of Precocious Kids, but she was in it in just the right amounts that she played really well. Like, I like I, her I character. You got Judy Greer in there. She was, again, woefully underused, but, exactly. yes. you know, throwing her in there is, is great. That made her character instantly likable. Even the, the police officer stepdad or or whatever, like, he was like, it's like he just wants to do right it with, like, this really new... It wasn't really an asshole. It wasn't an evil villain. He was just... Right. He just wanted to do what was right for, for his family, because this is his family now, too. Like, it's, right. you've got a blended family. This this These dynamics happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah, so I thought everybody was incredibly likable. And like I said, this category would have been an easy 9, if not 9.5. Probably not a 10, but, but getting close to there. And then Hank Pym just poof, crashed it down to a 7. Still high, but... Hank Pym. Do I keep, I keep saying Hank. Why did they make their names so similar? Hope Pym was so unlikable. Absolutely agree. Uh, I do have one note for character... Or, sorry, for dialogue. I thought there was uh, a lot of fun dialogue in this. I think that, that this movie has a lot more fun than others do, although there is a lot of fun event in the MCU. It's um, not as fun as Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's no, a, it's not. it's an easy second at this stage in the game. Yeah, it's, 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 it's up there. One of my favorite dialogues in a scene in this movie was uh, when uh, Mr. Pym, I keep wanting to say Mr. Pym, <laughs> but I haven't said it yet. Mr. Pym was uh, describing like how he controls ants and how his, his, his overall plan uh, was to do whatever. And then Scott's like, why don't you just use the ants? And he's like, Scott, they are ants. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was just that, just that smack in the face. Like, <laughs> why are you so fucking stupid? <laughs> don't be stupid. Come on, Scott. Come on, Scott. Uh, uh, that whole scene was uh, pretty fun. Uh, I liked a lot of the dialogue. It was very fun. But that one right there just stood out so, so much. Scott, they are ants. Let's not be ridiculous here. <laughs> Let's not be silly. I'm kind of with Scott on that one, though. I feel like they could have just had the ants do everything Scott was doing. Maybe they could have. But at the same time, come on. They're ants. Come on. They're just ants. Which is weird because I, I usually don't like plot holes and things like that, but this is such a gaping plot hole, like you just said, and like Scott <laughs> said. But then, like, that answer, come on, Scott. They're ants. These are ants. We're talking about ants. That's pretty good. That, that's a pretty good uh, resolution of that plot hole. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, was there anything else you have to say about writing characters? I think I said quite a bit. <laughs> what was your total score? My total score for writing characters was 5.4 meets expectations. All right. I thought for sure I was going to be lower than you again. 5.8 for me meets expectations. Oh, a little bit of a higher end of that, but yeah, it seems about right. So that's going to bring us to acting and casting. This is what I thought... I would have a lot more to say about, and it was kind of meh overall for me. Uh, I mean, nobody did a bad job, but I don't know. What What are your thoughts? Uh, exceeds expectations, plus a little bit, minus a little bit more overall. It's the most confusing way possible to to put that. Uh, what's your What's your highest score? Let's start there. My highest is a nine out of ten. For wow. line deliveries. 
Really? Okay. What stood out? Uh, I really liked that each character and each actor had a, a very different, a very different way of saying things, and a, and a very, uh, they said very different things. They had a very different perspective. Uh, I thought that was very well done. Okay. How much of that is line deliveries? And how much of that is dialogue? <laughs> huh. That's a good question. <laughs> I guess it's more dialogue than line deliveries. All right. So I'll bump it down from a nine to seven, and I'll bump line down nine to seven, and I'll bump dialogue up from a seven to a nine. All right. What is that? That's going to change your writing characters overall score. Then what does that bring that to? My writing characters is five point eight meets expectations. Huh. All right. Now we're at the same. We both have five point eight now for writing characters. All right. So it's I my guess plan proves, all along. That proves that I was wrong. <laughs> All right, so my line deliveries, uh, once you knock it down, mine was actually pretty close to yours. I gave it a 6.5. There were enough little things. Like, I really liked uh, Michael Pena. We talked about him a little bit. His line deliveries were fantastic and really just brought uh, brought that levity and that uh, the perfect balance of humor to the script um, or to the, I guess, not the script, but just the movie overall. Um, So he really brought it out of the meets expectations range for me. Everyone else, like I said, wasn't bad, but didn't like knock it out of the park. Like I feel like with a lot of these Marvel movies, I find myself thinking like, man, like you can just tell that like the Academy Awards, super biased against superhero movies. Cause like, I feel like there are some, some performances, not in every movie, but here and there throughout the MCU where I'm like, I feel like were the Academy not so biased against genre movies, this could have been a contender. Like uh, Tom Hiddleston in the first Thor. That was like, that was a contender for, I guess, best supporting actor, probably not best lead, but, um, you know, so there's a few Uh, here and there. Depends on how you look at it. True. Um, And with this one, like, it's not just that it wasn't quite to that caliber, but it was just so far below that caliber. Like, it was... Nothing was bad. Everybody did fine. But nothing was like, man, they really knocked it out of the park. Or like, man, like, people are going to be talking about this performance for years. It was just kind of like, yeah, everybody did great. But I felt like it was more the script making the characters likable than the performance yeah, itself. I, I just... I I, 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 I think I agree. I think I have the same thought that like the character and the the act the, the character that they chose, the character that they wrote, the actor that they chose, the lines that they chose for that act, everything just melded together really well. And I don't really know where to place the uh, the praise. Yeah. Like, like who gets credit for that? I think everyone does. Because everything, yeah, you're right. No one, it, there was no like uh, home run, but there were a lot of uh, good sport metaphor that <laughs> happened. <laughs> yeah. How did you feel about Evangeline Lilly as Hope Pym, either the casting or her performance? Because I'm really on the fence, is why I'm asking specifically uh, about that. Well, first of all, I don't know much of the, the story. I, no, actually, I take it back. I don't know any of the story other than from this and from people from this movie and from people that I talked to. So I have no one to compare it to. I don't either. I guess I'm not talking about as far as like adaptation goes, but just in general. Uh, the actress, 
Not sure where I've seen her. You probably haven't seen her in anything. I'm. I know. I know her from Lost. She was one of the main leads on that show, um, which I know you didn't watch. And I. I wasn't a big fan of her in that movie. I kind of felt like she wasn't the strongest actor. Yeah. And I kind of felt like she wasn't the strongest actor in this movie. But then I thought she was great in Ant-Man and the Wasp. So I'm not sure. Uh, first of all, I need to see Ant-Man and the Wasp a second time before I, I guess, go on record, even though I just did kind of go on record um, as saying that. Because maybe I was caught up in other things and wasn't paying attention to her performance as much. It's hard to say. Um, so I don't know how much of it is the script. I don't know how much of it is her. I don't know how much of it is being familiar with her from Lost and ha- bringing those expectations into this. it's There's a lot of different factors. But I just, she seemed kind of, I don't know, expendable, which is kind of funny because the whole point of the movie yeah, is yeah. that she's, she's the one that's not. But as far as the casting choice, it's one of those situations where I'm like, I feel like, and again, this is not knowing anything from the comic, or I guess not again, I'm, I'm reiterating what you said. Um, I'm not familiar with the Ant-Man comic books at all. I don't know anything about her character from there. So maybe if you're coming at it from the comics, maybe she's the perfect choice. Uh, I, I can't speak to that. But as far as as just watching this movie and, and taking it for what it is, I feel like she could have been replaced by just about anybody. And and it would have been fine. Um, so I didn't really feel like her acting was, or her casting, I should say, more than her performance was particularly great but then i liked her a lot in ant-man and the wasp so maybe it's more of a a script issue or more of a directorial issue it's really hard to say yeah but i i did not love her in this not this role because again she reprises the role later and and is fine but in this movie i didn't really care for her much uh i didn't have strong feel feelings either way or strong opinion strong opinion either casting the actor who played that role uh i think the role was just so tropey that yeah it's it's almost it's... like in like in high school where like for pe you just show up in shorts and you're gonna get a b yeah i i don't know it's just to me like i don't think that's i don't think that's the actor i think that's just like the script calls for a caricature yeah, and not, I do think the script is more fault. For yeah, but I do get what you're saying. A lot of her scenes and a lot of what she said and did was just kind of me. Yeah, I mean, I do think if they had just cast younger and abandoned the love story interest. Yeah, it's more like a teen angst. Yeah, like it's a, completely teen angst, and yeah, she's yeah. twenty years too old for that, <laughs> or at least fifteen years too old for that. Yeah, like. Damn it, woman, don't you have, like, a mortgage to pay for? Or, like, <laughs> or at least a bunch of cats or something? <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah. Like, no, daddy, I want the costume. <laughs> You're too old for that. I did give, um, weirdly, this is one of the one of the rare examples where I gave casting secondary characters a higher score than casting main characters. Um, largely oh, okay. because... I mean, we've got Judy Greer in there. That's got to get the extra points. Like I said, instantly that made that character likable. I don't really, I don't, I don't need to know any, I don't need to know a single thing about that character. Judy Greer, I like her. Yeah, that's true. Like, she's just one of those actors. When I saw her, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot Judy Greer plus one for casting. Right. Um, So that got extra points in there. You have 
Haley Atwell as Agent Carter, oldified in the beginning. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a great, especially when you have when you have her, and then you have what's his name, youngified in the yeah, same yeah. scene, and it's like this is like weird and probably shouldn't work, but mostly did. Her makeup was a little obvious, but um, what else did we have in casting second? Oh, the Falcon. Uh, we've got the Falcon yeah, uh, cameo. I guess it was a little bit more than a cameo, but we've got him in there. Michael Pena, I, I considered him a oh, yeah. secondary. In fact, the more I list it, I'm going to go outstanding for I gave it an 8 originally. I'm going to go 8.5. I think the secondary characters, that was an outstanding cast. I agree. Now this makes this discrepancy look silly. I gave casting main characters just a six, which is on the high end of meets expectations. Maybe that's a little bit too low, but it's just one of those things where I kind of felt like most of the people were kind of expendable. I mean, Paul Rudd as as Scott Lang, that was great. And everyone else was kind of like, eh, I kind of feel like anybody could play these characters, especially Evangeline Lilly. I really kind of feel like this score took a... Maybe a bigger hit than was... I mean, maybe I'll raise this one a little bit, too. Because it was really just her that I have the problem with. So I'll go 6.5 instead of 6. I'll bump it up to the exceeds expectations range. Because uh, Paul Rudd especially, he was great. And I, I cannot picture anybody else as Ant-Man. Or as, as Scott Lang as Ant-Man, I guess I should say. That's without having read the comics or anything. But yeah. um, he just... He brings something to the character. And uh, kind of just like with Judy Greer. It's like... Oh, Paul Rudd, I like that guy. It doesn't really matter what he's doing. You're probably going to like That's him. That's true. Yep. So, so I'll go 6.5 for casting main characters. Still not as solid as the secondary character cast. That is a standout secondary cast. Lots of cameos. Lots of, of strong secondary characters. Yeah. So I stand by that. 6.5 and 8.5 for me for those two. What are your thoughts? So 8.5 for secondary characters is your highest? That is my highest, yes, by okay. two whole points. Yeah. Secondary characters, I give a nine. All right, it's so we're on the same the page. Same yeah. yeah. Uh, especially Michael Pena and uh, Judy Green, but but also everyone else. There was no there was no duds. Yeah. There's no turd in the punch bowl for this one. All right. On that note, was there anything else you would like to add for acting and casting? No, I said what I said. All right. Uh, what did your total come out to then? My total for acting and casting came out to 6.6 exceeds expectation. All right. We're uh, pretty pretty on the same page with this one, um, which I say like we're usually not, but <laughs> every once in a while it, it can be hit and miss. Uh, 6.3 for me for acting and casting, which again exceeds expectations, uh, but is in the, the lower range of that. So then that's going to bring us to... Cinematography, lighting. This one, unfortunately, I don't have too much to say. It, it did a few things here and there that I thought looked really nice, but that, that's, a, that's pretty much it. That's all I have to say. How about you? Cinematography, lighting. Yeah, pretty much. A couple fives, one nine. Oh, what was the nine? The nine was for realism. All right, that was my highest as well, but my highest was only 7.5. And I'm comparing that to other MCU movies where the lighting was very, uh, let's say, fantastic. It's very fantasy, uh, like in Thor. Uh, and we can compare that to other movies which were very action-oriented, uh, being Avengers and Avengers 2. 
where uh, I've said many times, everything was very evenly lit, which yeah. totally makes sense if you want everyone to see everything everywhere all the time. But that's not very interesting to me. It's not very artistic. It's not doing something new or interesting or fun. It's just like you, you get to see what's happening. And I think this was a pretty good middle ground. We see what's happening. But then there's also scenes that have uh, a lot more shadows, the darkness, uh, but it's not taken to like an artistic or like slightly, like slightly weird, slightly outside of Hollywood mainstream. Sure. So for that, I bumped it up to a nine. I thought it was outstanding. Fair enough. Uh, especially for such a simple, straightforward movie, really, in, in terms of like plot and character. Yeah. I thought they did a pretty good job of not being boring. So it's one of those things where my expectations were low. I gave two fives for beauty because it wasn't trying to be beautiful and a five for storytelling because it didn't really tell a story with lighting. It lit this scene with lighting. I did like, uh, I did bump up mood to a seven out of 10, uh, exceeds expectations. Which, to be honest, it didn't really exceed it for an MCU movie because they did a really good job of having like the corporate science laboratory lighting where everyone's wearing like uh, uh, the white jacket, white lab coat, and there's like bright lights that are slightly too bluish and everything's very white surface. And then like the home, home scenes, which are very homey, very warm. I think this movie pushed that a little bit more uh, without getting into like comic book oversaturation absurdity. uh, At least not with the homey scenes. So I bumped mood up a little bit because I think that lighting had had a pretty big impact on the mood of the scene. Okay. How about you? I don't really have anything to add to any of that. I thought everything was fine. It was one of those things where everything looked good. Nothing really stood out. All my scores were between a 5 and a 7.5. So in the mostly exceeds expectations range, a little bit meets expectations. Pretty much all the things you've said. I don't really yeah. have anything to add. What was your, unless there's anything else you wanted to add, what was your total for lighting? My total for cinematography and lighting was 6.6 exceeds expectations. All right. 6.3 for me. Another very close score for us. Waiting for that one with the big discrepancy. Surely there's always one, it seems, where there's there's a pretty big discrepancy between us. So we'll see. Maybe we'll just be really close on this one. Um, So it's going to bring us to the next category, which is going to be cinematography camera work. This is kind of another one. I gave gave higher scores than for lighting, um, but not... Really for any specific reason. I mean, I thought the action scenes were were shot really, really well at all of the um, the camera angles as far as the like playing with scale. The, the camera angles played into that a little bit, which was nice. Yeah, um, of, of course, that's uh, largely the special effects, which we'll get to in the next category. But yeah, I thought mise-en-scene and, and camera angles both played a role into that. And then, of course, storytelling, those... those uh, Playing with scale very much so plays into storytelling. So pretty much everything yeah. for me got into the exceeds expectations range. The only thing that didn't was camera angles, which I gave a 6 out of 10. I'm not quite sure why I rated that one a little bit lower than the others. But I, I mean, I can't really think of anything interesting other than a few 
low angles to make things look bigger or high angles to make things look smaller, basic things like that for something like this. I had some wild swings. A couple nines and a three. Whoa, what was the three? All right, so the three was mise-en-scene. Really? That low? I gave, that was my highest with an eight. Tied with my highest. I don't remember a single scene where it's like, take that scene, slap it on a comic book cover, you're good to go. Well, it's hard with with Ant-Man because so many of the, like what would normally be a power shot or like a, a panel, he's small and doing stuff to people who are big. So it's... It's not him that's the power shot. It's it's sure. somebody flying through the air and you can't see him, which I think is great. I loved all those, all those scenes. Yeah, that was pretty fun. I don't deny that. That was pretty good. I like that. Uh, there's no real hero shot. There was no. I mean, I how know. would you do a hero shot with Ant Man? That's what I'm saying. All of his heroics are when he's tiny and he's doing something to something that's big. So if you're looking at the power shot, you're not looking at. You're literally not looking at the big picture. That's true. And maybe that's like this movie can't have a good squeeze. Uh, but maybe you could have him doing like a heroic scene. What about all the running? I thought the special effects were really good. I like that. But it's not. All right. I don't know. It just didn't feel like. I mean, he's not Thor. The, the placement. There's no thing where it's like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah. The scene is awesome. Look at that. Look how cool that is. Eh. I guess I disagree. And, and maybe that's just... I mean, I think it's just the story movie. being told. Not every superhero needs the big action pose. Like I said, he's not Thor. He's not Captain America. He's Ant-Man. He does things while he's small. Well, maybe there's no action scene, but maybe there's some other placement where everyone is like standing in the, in the, the study, like thinking things through. And there's like this interesting placement and fields of depth. And like I guess, but that's not a power like shot. That. You seemed particularly upset about the lack of a power shot. Well, this is a superhero movie. So I expect that. If, if but I not every superhero it, movie is like, one. but even like the movie covers for Ant-Man is like a cover. And then there's like literally him the size of an ant on the cover. Yeah. Like it's, Playing with scale is the power shot. I, yeah, that's how I see and, it. I, yeah, I get that. I totally get what you're saying. I mean, the, the train scene—that's a whole scene of power shots. That was a pretty fun scene. Uh, it just didn't feel superhero. A three, it's really oh, even a five. I'd be like, okay, I guess. Yeah, if it was like the first five or six or seven or eight movies that the MCU has done. So you're saying when there's more movies, you want them all to look the same? Shouldn't it be the opposite? The first five all look the same. That's not great. But if there's right. like 10 and three of them look the same. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm just trying This was to, doing something different. I'm just trying to calibrate. Am I calibrating to every movie that has ever been made? Or am I calibrating to the I don't MCU think, movies? I don't think it matters what you're calibrating to. Just because it's doing something a little different doesn't mean it's bad. In okay. my opinion. So which, which scenes had excellent mise-en-scene? The bathtub scene. When he first, the first time he shrinks. Like as he's shrinking or when he like stands up both. in the tub? I mean, especially when he stands up, but both. I mean, that whole scene when he's run when he's in the club, there's I, some great mise-en-scene. Okay. Okay. And then there's um, the train scene at the end. Some great mise-en-scene there. I really like that scene a lot, but I, I'm not sure if that's really mise-en-scene. I think it's sort of like. More, more tropiness, more playing with our expectations that, like, oh, shit, 
you're getting hit by the train and then like the actual consequence is this tiny piece of wood falls over in some child's place. Right, and if they had framed it differently, they could have made it. Okay, so you're, you're, you're saying the framing made the impact. That was a big part of the impact. I part of the so. setup. I mean, the just the... Line. I mean, that's part of the, the playing with scale throughout is a lot okay. of that is framing. And I think okay. that's what... I mean, his superpower at this point in the game, his only superpower, aside from communicating with ants, I guess, is to shrink. So that means most of the, you know, the power shots, the mise-en-scene, all that is going to be playing with scale. So that's interesting. That's the opposite um, complaint that I had with the uh, characters, or or, sorry, with the uh, cliches, tropes, and genre. You're saying that I got to throw all that out when I'm thinking about cinematography, looking at it. I gotta look at it differently. I mean, he's... I think it's important with the MCU to think of things in terms of... I mean, you you have the MCU as a whole, and that works together, and there's cohesion there as far as what you expect. But then there's also these sub-franchises and what you expect from that. You expect something different from Guardians of the Galaxy as opposed to Captain America, for example. Those are different... I don't want to say different genres because it's still the MCU. It's still superhero genre, but it's a different sub franchise. We still have yet so many movies in. We have yet to come up with a better term for it other than sub franchise. Right, right. You're you're saying like you can have chicken with Greek spices or chicken with Indian spices. Sure. And this is this is very much a, a heist movie spice. I'm not even talking about the heist movie. I'm talking about just the visuals as far as playing with scale that's what this movie does differently from other movies i mean guardians of the galaxy you have it's in space so you have a lot of aliens it's playing with aesthetics much more so than we had seen before and with this one it's playing with scale you have people who are tiny and now there's big things around them that should be not big okay so it's just okay i didn't it's a different visual gimmick i guess I didn't fully look at it that way for cinematography. Uh, we'll talk about it more when we get to sets, locations, and props. That's fair. Uh, cinematography, camera work. I just think mise-en-scene for sure plays a part into the yeah, yeah, scale yeah. where a three just seems so low. I really, I mean, if I can't convince you to boost it, that's fine. All right, so with, the, with all that said, was there anything else you wanted to add for cinematography camera work? Uh, I want to add that I'm going to change my score from a 3 to a 5 out of 10. Slightly more acceptable. It still seems a little low to me, but... Yeah, I I do think I was judging it... Unfairly. (laughs) Well, that's the spoiler alert version of it. I was judging it from a lens that doesn't quite apply to this movie. Okay. So my total then, unless there was anything else you wanted to add, Mm -hmm. uh, my total for cinematography camera work... Came out to a 7.2, which is actually the highest score so far. Wow. And uh, it's on the, and it's pretty much right in the middle of the exceeds expectations range. Okay, so for camera work, I got a 7.0, I got a 7.0 exceeds expectations after bumping up uh, my score for mise-en-scene. Because, you know, as, as we talked about it, and as you beat me over the head with the righteousness of your arguments, <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. 
uh, I, I, I got to judge it by what it's trying to be. And I also kind of like that because we've seen so much of the Marvel movies and so much of one way of looking at things that I, I, would, I, I wouldn't say I, I suffer from like Marvel fatigue or whatever it's being called. Superhero fatigue Superhero is, fatigue. is the term I hear most often. Yeah, uh, like I, 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 yeah, I look forward. I look forward to uh, uh, new ways of doing things, interesting ways. And when I look at it that way, you're right. It's, uh, it's a little higher than I expected. All right. Now, so that's going to bring us to editing and special effects. Uh, let's hold off on special effects because I am pretty sure we're both going to have a lot more to say about that category than any of the others. Yeah. Um, so aside from that subcategory, was there anything that stood out either for better or for worse? I scored everything as exceeds expectations. The only outlier was special effects, which I gave a 9 out of 10. We're going to get to that later. Yeah, we are. Uh, I do think the storytelling got a big bump for editing uh, because it was so humorous, especially uh, uh, Michael Pena's scenes where he was uh, describing this and this and that, who told who what. Yeah. uh, I thought that was really good editing. That's fair. I have pretty much much the same thoughts. My highest, um, ignoring special effects for now, my highest was movement, which I gave a 9 out of 10, um, which is largely still for the action scene. So it's kind of double dipping into special effects there. But I just thought the the action scenes were handled really, really well. And uh, just, yeah, everything looked looked pretty good. There was, I kind of forgot about this when I was actually scoring it, and then I just now remembered it. There was one scene, so I think I'll knock down continuity and pace a little bit, because there was one scene that just had some kind of bad cuts where uh, it was with Scott and his daughter and they were like hugging and when you see his like when the camera's looking at his face yeah. the daughter's face is pointed one way and then when it's her side of the scene her head's pointed the other way and if it was just like one cut I it's pretty easy to ignore it's kind of like especially with a kid actor it's like you can only get so many takes I get it yeah but they cut back and forth through that scene like three or four times and every single time like they I don't know if they just shot once and didn't have someone on set being like, oh, consistency check. Look this way instead of that way. I don't know what what happened, but the reason doesn't really matter. It happened and it was noticeable enough that I took a little bit of uh, it took a little bit of a hit. continuity and pace. I gave a 6.5 out mm. of 10. The pace was still strong enough. That I didn't dock it too much. Uh, I was going to give it a 7 and then I went down to a 6.5 when I remembered that scene. It was noticeable enough to get it docked a little bit. But I'm not going to penalize it too much. Um, So that said, how did you feel about the special effects? The special effects, I think this movie relied on special effects quite a bit. Um, Sure. Not just for the action scenes, the shrinking and the growing and this and that. uh, But also just like the concept. Uh, when he goes subatomic, which is kind of funny, because like this movie did such a job, such a good job of uh, like making the phrase "going subatomic" is like so badass and so weird and crazy and like oh shit, don't go subatomic, yo! <laughs> you go subatomic, there's no coming back. Like, like yeah, it's such a like weird 
thing and they did a good job of like like when you hear that phrase you're like oh no 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 don't do that yeah uh but that's more for writing i guess um but i really like the special effects of how he changes uh size i think they did a really really good job of showing that i'm not sure how else you could show it yeah um i I really like that i had no problems with that nothing looked cheap or or shitty or like it was drawn in MS Paint or whatever. Yeah. Um, I really like that. And I really liked how they tried to show like the weird quantum world, the subatomic world, where it was like fractal and like, yeah. like crystals, like in a funhouse mirror universe kind of thing. And yeah, that was, that was, that was interesting because that's, that's, that's a weird bonkers world that we don't really know how to perceive. Yeah. And I think they, they got that. Yeah. I pretty much agree with everything you said. I thought the, the special effects were really um, outstanding. Not perfect, but I also gave it a 9 out of 10. Uh, and especially coming out of uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, where I really felt like special effects were, were mostly not quite there. It wasn't bad, but there was definitely... Um, Definitely scenes here and there where it's like, oh, maybe they should have spent a little bit more time and or a little bit more money on that scene. Whereas with this one, there wasn't a single scene where I felt that way. I thought everything looked looked really good. And I just love the the scenes where he's, you know, changing size constantly. And he's mm-hmm. gets really big and then gets small and then gets big again and knocks some guy out of the way. Like, it's just the the action scenes. That, that, that's why movement got so high as well. S- some of the best, um, maybe not best, but some of the most fun action scenes yeah. in, in the MCU. Winter Soldier has some really good ones, and the first Avengers has some really good ones. Even Age of Ultron has some pretty good ones, but they're all very different flavors. I this, agree. this movie has a very unique flavor of, of action, and, and I really like it. And that's coming from someone who tends to get bored of action quickly. Although not in MCU. That's much more rare in MCU than in general action movies. But so, yeah, nine for me for for special effects. Uh, Is there anything else you would like to add for editing special effects? No, I just think that the uh, storytelling scored particularly high because the editing was very humorous in the parts where it needed to be humorous. Yeah, that's fair. And I appreciate that. Well, that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> uh, so what was your total then for editing? For editing, my total was 7.4 exceeds expectations. All right, again, very close to mine. 7.9 exceeds expectations. Yeah, it's one of my highest scores. Uh, Yeah, it's up there for me as well. Uh, yeah, my highest so far, actually. Um, So that's going to bring us to the sound design. Uh, and this one, there was something that that I know we both noticed fairly early on, and that is the score and soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Which definitely has a very unique vibe to it. I still, I, I thought about giving it even a little bit higher than this. Uh, I gave it an 8.5. Um, the only thing that kept it from getting closer to, to maybe a 9.5 or even a perfect 10 is that it was still kind of forgettable in the end. You know, I definitely remember that it was there and yeah. I remember that it was a little different, yeah. but it's not like there's like, oh, yeah, the Ant-Man theme. And there's none of that. Um, so I still gave it outstanding just because it was so different and, and something we haven't heard before in the MCU, which especially after as many movies as we've had now um, was definitely refreshing and fun. 
but still not the most memorable. So that one got an 8.5 for me. Yeah, I I agree. I think the soundtrack was really uh, much better than I expected from MCU at this point. Because there's been not a lot of memorable stuff and not a lot of interesting stuff and not a lot of unique sounds and uh, music. But this one had uh, like a really funky uh, score uh, when they were recapping uh, yeah. a heist. I don't I don't remember if it was a previous heist or their plan about uh, stealing whatever's in the secret vault. I think that's what it was. Uh, but then, so so yeah, I give it points for that, which was really unusual in the MCU, and I really enjoyed. But then there was also a lot of uh, sound effects that were um, diegetic. I think that's the uh, fancy the <laughs> fancy term. Sounds that the characters could hear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that was in universe. Yeah. I like that. So I bumped about music, uh, score, and soundtrack up quite a bit for those things. I gave it a nine out of ten. All right. Uh, any other thoughts? Any low points within the sound, or any other general thoughts? No, everything else got a seven. Fair enough. That's actually pretty much the same with me. I did give overall sound mix an 8.5, which is largely, um, was a pretty generous score for a, a sound mix that was pretty average, yeah. but it was it was easily the most well-balanced MCU mix I think we've heard so far. There's not a lot of gunshots and explosions. That's when okay. There is, there's no talking. Like there's silence and then loud noise and then silence. That's fine. I could hear everything. It was perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think it was it was appropriate for this movie. Um, it's not like there should have been a lot of loud sounds and there weren't. I think they just were able to bypass the loud sounds in really effective ways. Um, even like, you know, when you've got epic fight scenes and then you cut to a different perspective when it's like full sized or real sized or whatever. So it's like this <laughs> epic fight scene and then all of a sudden you've got a little train falling on the window. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, where it's like that normally in a movie, that's where the loud sound effect would be. It's like, oh this train just flipped and fell all the way over here. Right. And it's probably gonna explode or something, but that's not what this movie calls for and that's not what it did, which I, I appreciated. Um I thought that was handled in a really unique way. So I gave overall sound mix like I said, probably a lot higher than it deserved, but given the expectations around MCU movies in general, I would say it uh, thoroughly exceeded my expectations uh, and was outstanding. Um, on that note, what did your total for sound design come out to? My total for sound design is 7.4 exceeds expectations. All right, another really close one. Man, uh, 7.6 for me also exceeds expectations. All right, so this is going to bring us to aesthetics. There's one category I think we should save for last because I think we both have strong feelings. <laughs> yeah, this category, I have some real outliers. I have a perfect 10, and I have a score uh, that I'm sure anybody listening can guess which one that is really low. So I guess I'll start with the high one. I gave props a perfect 10, um, which is largely because of the... Uh, just the way scale was played with, which yeah, which agree. has to do with camera work quite a bit as well. Um, but just the, you know, like the giant Thomas the Train at the end, things like that, um, just really added just the right touch. Um, yeah. So I easily gave gave props a perfect 10. Uh, what was your highest? 
my highest, I actually give it a 10 out of 10 for uh, sets and locations. Okay. For the same reason. Like, there were some neat sets and locations, like, just being, like, the, the homie, like, in the daughter's bedroom or or in the family room during the party. And then also compared to the uh, corporate laboratory and all that. But then just playing with scale, like, there was a fight scene that took place inside of a briefcase. <laughs> yeah. It was tumbling around inside of a helicopter. That's neat. Yeah. That's a plus one right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there was like ant tunnels. Ants are super cool. I love ants. You social animals are super cool. Very interesting. Um, so it was really cool to see that setting. Um, I, there's just really neat, uh, really neat locations. And they weren't, it, it wasn't some alien planet. It wasn't some alternate dimension. Although there was also the quantum which was pretty yeah. neat, yeah. And, and, and in like a, a, a an unfathomable way, I think they did a really good job of showing like human beings cannot comprehend it. I, th- I think there was just a lot of really neat locations that we don't see anywhere. Yeah, and I think they did a really good job of taking advantage of how this story and plot uh, can introduce us to. So yeah. I gave it a ten out of ten for locations. All right. Gave that one an 8.5 out of 10. Still still outstanding, but not quite in the perfect range. Um, I definitely love the things it did with with scale. That was really interesting. Yeah. Um, but I did feel like some of the like the laboratory sets were a little on the generic side and like the like Cassie's bedroom was like the most stereotypical little girl's bedroom you could possibly imagine. Yeah, I think we've established this movie is pretty tropey. Sure, but that doesn't mean it gets a pass on on some of these categories. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. So I still gave it really high for uh, mostly for all of the the little sets, for lack of a better term, yeah. or the miniatures isn't quite the right term either. It's I guess the opposite. I don't know. Um, Maximatures. <laughs> something. Um, but that definitely boosted the score quite a bit. But then some of the just everyday settings were a little too everyday. Um, so that kept it from a perfect 10 for me. But I did really appreciate it for, for all the reasons you said. Uh, my second highest was uh, for props. Uh, I gave it a 9 out of 10 for exactly what you just said. Yeah. Those props were awesome. That giant Thomas the Train thing. and Yeah. Like, man, it just did a really good job of that. Nine out of ten. I I don't even feel like I have to defend my position. Anyone <laughs> who has seen this movie knows. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, did you have any low points? You know I did. Hair. <laughs> I hated Hope's hair. I hated it. It's... Hated it. All right. Hated I, I have it. I have words. I'm gonna let you say your words, and then. I'm going to say some words that almost certainly overlap. I mean, it's pretty much exactly like I said before, just her whole archetype of like, I'm a modern lady. Look at my weird hair and my fancy outfits and my stern personality. I just don't even care what anybody thinks. I'm just going to do my own thing. And it's just the whole, I don't know, just the like modern woman archetype, but done badly. Like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with 
with the idea of the like modern woman and I love the sleek look, but her look is not sleek. It's, I don't know. It's like, there was, like I said, there was something in the air in 2015 where sleek modern businesswoman just became angles. How many angles can we get? <laughs> Let's get like shoulder pads back in style and sharp haircuts and straight across bangs. Like luckily in the wardrobe department, this movie did not go as far as, Jurassic World with the character of Claire because she had like the crazy shoulder pads and she was just one giant angle. Um, <laughs> so this was a little bit better, but that hair and I'm sure, I mean, there are some people that can pull off that kind of hair. Like if like, I just, I didn't buy it and it, like I said, she just reminded me of myself when I was 16 and cut my own hair and dyed it black and sulked around all the time and thought that yeah. that was cool. And it's like, no, you're just a sullen teenager. Get over yourself. And then I turned 20 and I did. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what is she doing? She's 35. Um, and at least her hair looked professionally done. It wasn't uneven and awkward. I mean, I have very <laughs> thick hair, so that hairstyle on me is even worse than on her. And I cut it myself, so it was uneven. So, I mean, it was particularly bad on me, but still, it, I hated it. So three. Hair got a three for me, just for her. It would have gotten, I considered going into the unsatisfactory range, and then I'm like, everybody else was fine, but I hated her hair. Yeah, uh, I pretty much agree. I didn't lower it to a three. Uh, I brought it to a five because I think that's part of the general tropiness. Like, Again, that doesn't give it a pass as... for me. No, but this movie is not trying to be anything else. This is... This is low barrier movie. Like it should have tried to be something haircut, else. When it comes to her character, they should have tried very hard to make it something maybe else. Maybe they should have. Maybe that would have been a better movie. I don't know. It would have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, there you go. Proof positive. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, I absolutely agree. Her haircut was distracting. Yeah. It's one of those things where when I see her, yep, I know who she is. Yeah. She is the cold-hearted corporate bitch that needs to learn the value of family. Yep. Which is fine. But that, she didn't there's even... There's some truth to that. She didn't even have that arc, though. But, yeah, right. That didn't even really happen. And it was so over the top. And it was just it was just so tropey. Which I, I feel like is this is one of the big... Uh, this is one of the big failings of this movie is that it's so tropey and so archetype, archetype. Archetypal, archetypical, archa, archa, whatever. Archetypical. Yeah, it's everything is so, like, uh, yep, I know what's going on. I know what's going to happen. I've seen that haircut before, and it's just, it just ends up being bland and boring. And uh, I, I don't know. was there anything else you you want to add for aesthetics, or should we give our total scores? For aesthetics, we usually have so much to say. I guess we said a bit. Yeah, I give my highs and lows. Uh, what was your total for aesthetics? Mine, uh, surprisingly, still did pretty good despite that three in there. It came out to a six point nine uh, on the in the mid range for exceeds expectations. All right, would have been outstanding if it wasn't for that damn hair. It's just, it's just so fucking tropey. It's not even a like attractive trope. Like it's not like I'm trying to think of a hair style that's like better that's tropey, but I don't know. Well. My total came out to a 6.8. Very close to mine. Wow. What did you think of the next category? Impact on film. Impact. 
What did you think of the next category, <laughs> Impact on Film? Uh, so this one gets divided up into three subcategories, and it's going to be Critical Impact, Audience Cult Impact, and Historical Inspirational Impacts. Critical Impact, I usually just go to Metacritic, which is what I did for this one. Uh, I forget what the actual score was, but I just divide by 10 and then uh, round up or down. So it came out to a six. I want to say it was like a 61 or 62. It was somewhere in there, surprisingly on the lower end, because I feel like this is one of the more popular uh, movies amongst fans, um, or at least in the mid range. It's not, you know, not like Ultron or or Thor Dark World, where it's almost always in like the bottom five. Um, I feel like this is usually somewhere in the middle. Um, So six seemed a little low, but that's what the Metacritic was. That's what I went with it audience and cult impact this one i looked at a few different sites and kind of came up with my own aggregate um, which ended up coming up to an eight which seems more more in line with what i was thinking um a little low for a marvel movie but i mean an eight that's still good and then historical inspirational impact this one was a little bit harder um i usually for marvel movies i give it one or two points off the bat just because it's marvel it's the most successful franchise ever made so that automatically just being a part of that franchise and everything that the franchise has done for film uh for better or worse depending on your viewpoint but no denying it's it's changed blockbuster cinema um so it gets a couple of points for that and then it introduces a new character so i gave it another point and a half ish for that um, and then it wraps up phase two so pretty much all of those reasons combined uh came out to a 3.5 for me which is pretty low for it's pretty low for a Marvel movie, but I mean, I don't really feel like this movie did like other than I mean, it, it kind of teased Civil War or at least teased that Ant-Man was going to be a part of something and then, you know, set up Ant-Man and the Wasp pretty well. But those is pretty self-contained. It's not not like Age of Ultron that even though that movie is uh, I think I enjoyed this movie a little bit more surprisingly um i think age of ultron like that really pushed us into phase three with infinity stones thanos is coming what's gonna happen next like it really impacted the franchise a little bit more whereas this is Mm. really a standalone if you're you know Mm -hmm. like when when infinity war came out there were a lot of people putting out lists of like here's the movies you have to see if, you, yeah. if you've never seen a Marvel movie and you want to go see Infinity War, watch these movies. Don't bother with these movies. This was always on the don't bother list. Yep. I can see that. It made a lot of references to previous movies. And it did right. a really good job of that, but it didn't really set anything up exactly. for anyone else to reference. Exactly. And he's not even in Infinity War. So, like, why... I mean, not that that's the end goal, yeah, but yeah, really the only reason, I mean, aside from, I mean, if you like the character or you just want to watch all the Marvel movies, like there's still reason to watch this movie. I'm not trying to say like anyone out there who hasn't seen it, don't even bother. Like, that's a fun movie. Go watch it. Yeah. But as far as like the franchise as a whole, unless you want to like, you know, make sure you know who this character is before you watch Civil War, that would be the main thing. If you're building up to a team up movie. That's his team-up movie. He's in Civil War. And even that's a pretty small part. You really don't need this movie to say it. It's like, oh, he shrinks? Okay, that's all you need to know. Um, so anyway, 
that was a, a little bit of a longer rant than I meant to go on, but 3.5 seemed low, so I felt like I needed to overly explain <laughs> why I gave it so low. Um, so anyway, so those three for me averaged out to a 5.83. Very specific on that one. All right, so I rounded to the nearest whole number and I got a 6.0. Although I do think something needs to get a plus one because uh, my understanding is that there's a lot of people who love Ant-Man who work really, really hard to write the script, to get it made. I feel like this is one of those things where uh, people like me who don't follow comics are like, who? Sure. And then there's people who follow comics who are like, yeah, fuck yeah, Ant-Man, fuck yeah. I'm going to dump all my money into this. I'm going to dump my life into it. Okay. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but I feel like I got I got that impression. I heard that story a few times. Hmm. It's like people are really, really into it. Does that fall so, under impact on film? I don't know. Something somewhere. The overall is a six. Okay. Uh, so that's going to bring us to overall enjoyment. Did you enjoy this movie? I did. Uh, I think it was lacking in a lot of things that I, I, I tend to care about and tend to look for. I don't think there was really any sort of overall deep theme or interesting perspective or interesting statement. I think uh, it was extremely tropey, extremely simplistic very paint by numbers i think it did a pretty good job with that i think that um, the action scenes were pretty fun it was a, a funny movie it was very humorous i, I like uh the characters there's a lot of things i like but there's nothing there's nothing really inspiring for me there's nothing like that i'm gonna think about over the next few days or weeks yeah it usually takes me like a few days to to really come to even a soft conclusion. And this one, it feels like my first impression is basically what I would think after uh, ruminating. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's, it's pretty silly, pretty lighthearted, pretty tropey. But it does what it does. Overall, it's enjoyable if that's what you want to watch. What did you say you scored it? Uh, my overall score for enjoyment, my overall enjoyment came out to a 7 of 10. I enjoy it for a very straightforward, uh, feel-goodery, action, family fun. Okay. I think this is a really good movie, if that's what you're looking for. All right. I had a hard time with the overall enjoyment category, I'll be honest. Um, I originally just gave it a five, which seems about right. Like, it, it okay. does what it sets out to do, and it's fun, and it's a, a good standalone addition to the MCU. Like, I, I enjoy it for what it is. And then I heard myself say that I enjoyed this movie more than Age of Ultron. And then I was like, is that really true? Because I gave Age of Ultron a 6.5 for overall enjoyment. And I stand by that. I think that's about right. Okay. So then I was going to bump this all the way up to a 6.5 to at least make it tied. And then I'm like, no, I think I'm just wrong. I don't think I actually enjoyed this movie. I think I like Age of Ultron more than Ant-Man overall, which tracks with the overall enjoyment. I don't know why mm -hmm. I phrased it that way. Um, phrased it that way because that's the right way to phrase it? Yeah. Well, I had a, I'm trying to figure out why I... Because earlier in this review, I said I enjoyed this movie more than Age of Ultron. And then I'm like, why did I... I must have thought that was true as I was saying it. And then instantly I was like, I don't think that's true. And then mm -hmm. the more I think about it and the more I look at the grid... Um, yeah, that's not true. So um, I still bumped it up a little bit. I gave it a 5.5. 5. 
Um, but going up to a 6.5 was just too much. Because um, it's really, it's right in that meets expectations range. I could see going up to a 6 maybe, but even that seems just a little bit too high. I mean, it's a perfectly fine movie. It's a really fun movie. I would watch it again. Like, it's not, it's not a bad movie. I think just... Um, especially for these Marvel Monday reviews, I tend to look at it more in line with all of the Marvel movies as opposed to just movies in general. Because um, movies in general, I, I probably do enjoy this more than a lot of movies. So it would probably get closer to that 6.5 range. But if I'm looking at it as far as Marvel movies and what are my expectations for a Marvel movie, yeah, this is right in that meets expectations range. It didn't knock me away. It didn't, you know, I wasn't... Like, oh, I can't wait till Ant-Man 2, um, which granted, I like Ant-Man and the Wasp quite a bit more than Ant-Man. So now I'm excited for for whatever the next edition is going to be. But as far as when this came out, I was like, oh, it was a fun character. I don't really care that much when I see him next, um, which I know I'm probably going to get a lot of heat for that because I know um, he is a favorite and a lot of people really like him. Yeah. And I just, and I think it really comes back to that. Uh, more family-friendly vibe, which, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And um, I'm sure if I had kids in my life that were in in that age range to watch it, I would love to to take them to the theater, watch this movie, or you know, watch it on DVD, whatever. Um, you know, more of a, an experience with younger kids. But as far as me just watching a movie by myself, I prefer a little darker. Um, or at least a little, I don't know if darker is necessarily the right word, a little heavier, maybe a little more emotional weight. And this is just, it's kind of fluff. Yeah. And and that, that reminds me, uh, I forgot to mention this for acting and casting, but Paul Rudd, he's like, he's like the everyday harmless, lovable goof, basically. Oh yeah. Um, which makes sense for this role, but at the same time, it's kind of, hard to take it seriously. I don't think you're really supposed to take it seriously. It's yeah, part of the problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or not problem, but No, that's that that's that's part of the the weirdness of this movie is that it's very tropey. It's very what it is, but at the same time, like it's not pushing boundaries, it's not doing anything new or interesting. Or it's doing yeah. very little of that. Yeah. But it's very good at being like a tropey, lovable goof. Um so on that note, did you give this movie any extra credit? I did. I gave it one, two points of extra credit. Um, I liked a lot of the dialogue and a lot of the uh, decisions, although most of them were pretty stupid, of uh, Mr. Pym. Yeah. Uh, he had uh, some pretty, he's, he's a gruff, grumpy old man. And it's probably because I was born a gruff, grumpy old man. <laughs> but that resonates with me. I like it. I like that uh, he called... <laughs> Called the uh, all the secondary characters those three wombats. <laughs> <laughs> what a bizarre insult, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't even know, I don't even know how to interpret that, but I don't think it's a compliment. <laughs> that's that's neat. I'm, I think I should start calling people wombats. <laughs> I'm gonna do that, so plus one for that. All I also right. like uh, Michael Pena, just. Just what a pleasant surprise! Yeah, and and it's so it's so unlike any other character in the MCU. Yeah, and and his character was like so what he is. We get it, like we instantly get it after hearing him talk for ten seconds. I get it. I know who this guy is. Yeah, 
and that's a likable character is so different th than anyone else and i think a lot of that is casting him to do that and then letting him do his thing because i think i've seen a few interviews or a few other things with him and when he's at his best he is just being that character yeah which i don't think is a character i think that's just him <laughs> yeah and i i think that's really neat that 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 they that they took that risk and then it paid off and that they went with it that's really cool extra point of extra credit all right two points of extra overall for those two reasons how about you i you know i lately i've just been having a hard time coming up with with extra credit points i uh, this is another one i didn't give any to i thought about double dipping uh, particularly for the secondary cast because like you said it was just phenomenal yeah. but i felt like i gave a strong enough score in the acting and casting category um, which still didn't even get a perfect 10. So it seemed usually if I double dip, it's like I'd give it an 11 if I could. And instead of just breaking the rules, I give extra credit and yeah. double dip. Double dipping. But I didn't even, you know, I didn't feel like it was strong enough to give a 10. So then to give extra credit for it seemed a little silly. Um, so I just, I didn't really come up with anything for, for extra credit. Okay. But I, I feel pretty good about my total score regardless. So I'm okay with that. Um, what was, what did your total score come out to? Well, you mentioned total scores first. So what was your total <laughs> score? Uh, my total came out to a 65.43, which exceeds expectations. It's on the, the little bit of the, the lower end of that, which seems about right. This is a movie that was pretty average in my book, but did a few things here and there that, that boosted the score. How about you? Uh, less than four points more than you. I came out to a 68.6. No, it's not. I feel like it's not often that you get a higher score than me. I could be wrong on that, though. No, I think you're right. <laughs> I am very rarely on team optimism. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about that. I think that this movie is pretty light on like the overall themes and the character development and, and, and a lot of interesting things, but I think uh, it has pretty good special effects, pretty good fight scenes. It's very tropey, but it does the tropes pretty well. It's a lighthearted, fluff, enjoyable movie. Yeah. Um, in my in my mind. Yeah, and, that's and I fair. Think it does a pretty good job of that. That's what it I is to me. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, if I had to uh, watch a Marvel movie, I would watch this before I would watch other Marvel. Okay. I think it'd be kind of middle of the line for me. This, this is kind of a solidly in the middle Marvel movie for me. I wouldn't refuse yeah. to watch it, but it wouldn't be my first pick either. Yeah, for me, it's like middle, high middle. Yeah. For, for like a rewatch. All right. Well, was there anything else you would like to add for uh, either this movie in particular or the, uh, I guess, just the season one wrap up since this is the uh, season finale of sorts? Uh, yeah, I think uh, we've watched a lot of good movies. I like watching these movies. I like um, seeing how things have changed over time, especially with the uh, like the early movies versus the later movies. And like in the early movies, uh, especially uh, Iron Man 1, it was very much like transitioning into the superhero Marvel genre. And yeah. now it's like, I'm kind of bored with the superhero Marvel genre. Like... Like, you don't get extra credit for being on an MCU movie. Whereas in the beginning, like, yeah, you get a little more. But now it's like, I've seen it 
like 10, 12, 15 times. Not yeah. 15 times. <laughs> yeah. I've seen it enough times that I've seen it so many times that that affects the overall score. Okay. Um, so it was really fun watching um, phase one. It was fun watching phase two. Really looking forward to phase three. Yeah. The next phase. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's going to be some interesting movies and interesting scores. Coming. Yeah, I'm really, uh, really looking forward to it. Season two is going to be a good one, I think. Yeah. All right. So then on that note, I think that is going to wrap up uh, this this episode for uh, Marvel Monday talking about Ant-Man and it's going to wrap up season one of Nitty Gritty Reviews. Uh, so we will be back the official season two premiere for Marvel or for Nitty Gritty Reviews I'm sorry is going to be Monday January 7th and that's going to be Marvel Monday. We're going to be doing Captain America Civil War. Tristan of course will be back with that one. And M and hopefully Brian both will be guests on that one as well. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then starting with season two, uh, the first Monday of every month is going to be Marvel Monday. And then every other Friday is going to be a, a regular uh, Flashback Friday Nitty Gritty review. So the premiere for the Flashback Friday episodes is going to be January 11th, 2019, which is going to have uh, it's going to be a double feature uh, post two episodes on that day. It's going to be 10 Things I Hate About You with my mom, Melissa, and my sister, Jessie, and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure uh, with Tristan. Really excited about that one. 10 Things I Hate About You has a 20th anniversary coming up. Bill and Ted has a 30th anniversary coming up. So super, super excited. I know Bill and Ted is one of your favorite movies. I've yeah, been dying to review it. And then as soon as I saw that it had an anniversary coming up, it was like season opener. We got to do it. So I'm really excited. That's going to be a strong open. And I know I know January is a ways away. So to hold you over, there's going to be a little bit of a uh, season one and a half, I guess, um, where we're going to be doing, Tristan and I will be doing some mini episodes, um, one episode for each category of the grid. We're going to define all the, all the subcategories, give some examples of what would get a perfect 10 for each of us, just kind of some general fun explanations to to help people out with uh, understanding our, our grid rating system. Uh, so that should be really fun. And we will also do a mini episode summarizing or possibly two, haven't decided yet, uh, summarizing both phase one and phase two of our Marvel Monday reviews. So those are coming up in the interim because I know, uh, like I said, January is quite a ways away. Um, but I'm also going to be getting some new equipment and uh, should be uh, getting some better audio quality. It's going to be going to be good. I'm really excited. I've been babbling too long. If you are still listening, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And if you could like on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, and especially if you could review this podcast, especially if you're still listening, you must really like this <laughs> podcast. So thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, if you could review it, super appreciate it. We'll give you a shout out in season two. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's gonna wrap it up. Sorry for the long babbling. I'm just really excited for season two and uh, I'm excited that we're wrapping season one. This is an accomplishment. We should, uh, Yay, go out and celebrate or something. <laughs> All some right. sound effects of like those poppers and yeah. no, that's like an elephant. I don't know what that was. No, it's like the no, I know, but my sound effect was not that. No, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> elephant or something. Um, anyway, now we're just getting tired, I think. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we will see you next time. Keep an eye out for those mini episodes and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss us when we come back for season two.
See you next time.